Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Fish Untamed Podcast, your home for fly fishing the backcountry. This is episode 73, live from my recent Dark House spearing trip to Minnesota. I just wanted to hop on here before we start to give a little intro to this episode. This episode was first released on the Modern Carnivore podcast with Mark Norquist. Uh, Mark was on my podcast a year or two ago at this point. And he invited me out to try Dark House Spearing in Minnesota. So I took him up on his offer this January. And we recorded this roundtable episode at a brewery one evening. Um, And there are a handful of different folks on the episode who get introduced early on. Um, So I won't do that again here. But I just wanted to introduce this so no one was confused as to why it sounds a little bit different this week. Um, I was more of a guest on this episode than a host. Uh, But it was a really fun experience and a really fun episode, so I hope you all enjoy. So we're up here in uh, north central Minnesota and doing a little bit of dark house spearing. And uh, it's early January. Temp this morning was, what was it? Negative 37 was the lowest we saw in the car. Yeah. That's cold. That's really cold. <laughs> John, you had uh, you got a good uh, little video of uh, your 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 boots being yep chipped the chipped away. This, this the former slush now ice cap around my <laughs> boots. <laughs> About an inch and a half, two inches of ice all around my my shoes when we got done setting up. It was brutal. I I don't think the uh, snowmobiles really wanted to run. I don't think the heaters wanted to run. Um, the the Shacks were tough to fold out because they were wet and frosty from the day before, and then we got slush on the ice. So it was challenging. It was challenging, but um, 
but it was fun, right? It was a great time. Great time, great days. So, uh, so we're going to talk about Dark House Spearing, and I think it would be great to start with Mr. Gunther here. So, actually, why don't we go round and just say who's here? Let's let's start with this guy uh, on my left. Okay, Alex Gorman. I'm a graduate student at the University of Minnesota, and also repping the uh, backcountry hunters and anglers. I'm the club president at the University of Minnesota, so here with the BHA doing our dark house stuff. Cool. Uh, John Kachorik, I write at Modern Carnivore. I'm also a BHA member, and uh, I enjoy dark house spearing. I was, I was into that when I was a kid. That's uh, kind of the one, one sort of hunting and fishing thing I did my whole my whole life that uh yeah i've got i've been doing it for a long time so i picked up a lot of stuff as an adult but this one i've been been doing for a long time and it's got a special place for me uh dave gunther i'm a retired educator at pequot lakes high school and part of my curriculum was i taught my students was decoy carving fish fish decoy carving mostly we did some duck decoys and stuff too but yeah it was and spearing was the one thing growing up on a dairy farm during the summertime. All you ever got to do was pitch hay bales. In the wintertime, my father and I would go. That was the only time we, we could fish. And that was, a, that was why I'm, I guess, passionate about spearing. It's, um, it was something I did as a kid and something I still enjoy doing. And uh, Katie Burgert, I am uh, host of the Fish Untamed podcast, which is actually how I got connected with Mark. Um, had him on the show, I don't know, maybe a year or more ago, um, and briefly discussed dark house spearing. He casually invited me up, and I remembered and, and <laughs> saw that tickets were cheap and hit him up this winter, and here we are in negative 37 degree weather. <laughs> a little bit different from Colorado. A little different from Colorado, but uh, extremely interested in everything surrounding the, the culture of dark house spearing. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's great. Well, happy to have you here. And uh, yeah, we're just uh, we're here at Roundhouse Brewery. Uh, they were kind enough to give us this space to to record in. And uh, great beers. And um, so, Dave, I guess I wanted to start with you. You know, you t- you talk about what did I do? What did you do? <laughs> <laughs> Spoke up. Uh, you grew up on a dairy farm. You're retired now. You've got a long history of spearing, going back to when you were a kid. You did it since you were a kid. John did it since he was a kid. Same, same for me. Um, why? You know, you said you never did really any any open water fishing, just because again, you grew up on a dairy farm. Yeah. yeah, you know, we we once in a while we would get out, but you know, most of the time, you know, a dairy farm, you're daily till dark. It's seven days a week. You know, you had to make hay when the sun shined. When if we weren't bailing hay on the farm, we were bailing hay for the neighbors. So fishing, you know, uh, uh, we never really did much for summer fishing. So in the wintertime, it was a time with my with my dad, my brother, that we would go out. We'd do up chores, and then we'd go out on the weekends, and we could go out and sit in the spear house. And it was always so much. It, it was like a magical world, and we weren't working. <laughs> we were sitting there and what eating sandwiches, <laughs> eating, you know, it was I like a, sit on this thing behind me. Yeah. yeah. It, it was like a picnic. I mean, it really, I mean, it was, it was fun. We just got to go out there and relax and sit and spear fish. And, and it was just that whole magical world looking down in that big spear hole at a whole nother world. Look at a big aquarium. 
So we've talked about Darko Spearing before on the Modern Carnivore podcast and other stuff we do, but why don't you give for the casual listener, they're probably going, what, what is this? So how, when somebody asks you, what is this dark house spearing thing you speak of? How do you describe it? Well, first thing I, I tell, uh, when I taught it to, to my students at school, you know, I said, everybody's seen fish houses on a lake. And I said, you know, some don't have windows. Well, they think they just can't afford to put windows in them or something, <laughs> or they're on a budget. Uh, but no, um, I told them that those are dark houses. Those are spear houses. And the idea behind a, uh, a spear house or a dark house is you don't want light in there because the light reflects through the ice and it comes back up through the hole and it illuminates it just like a lighted aquarium and the whole underground underground underwater world is right you know you can see you know crawfish going through and you can see just all everything going on in a whole nother world and just sitting in there is relaxing it's mesmerizing the people that see it for the first time are just amazed and you know wow um, and it's, my wife, Barb is claustrophobic. She, she will not go in a spear house. She tried it once. She says, I'm out of here. She's back out watching her tip ups. She's no, with no thing. So it's not for everybody, but, um, it's, it is enjoyable. It's just, it's just, there's something that just draws you into it. So did you, have you done it your entire life or is there a period of time when you didn't do it or is it? Uh, when I was in North Dakota going to college, no, we, we did not. There wasn't really a whole lot of time. I was on the wrestling program there and stuff and, you know, we were busy to cut, you know, in North Dakota now it does have spearing and, uh, we try to make a couple of trips out there every year, but, um, that was about five, about five, six years that that I was away from it. And then I lived in Northwestern Minnesota when I first started teaching for six years. And basically we just fished walleyes up on Lake of the Woods. That was the closest lake to us around there. But, uh, so spearing, I didn't do much of that until I moved down to the Pequot area. I got back into it. So it's a winter thing. You're out on the ice. Most people these days, because of like grumpy old men or other things, understand this idea of of a fish house out on a frozen lake. You've painted the picture of no windows. You're in there, cut cut this hole in the ice, and it's pretty simple. You got a few tools, right? You got. It was the poor man's uh, way of you know get, gathering food in the wintertime. It, you know, you, you got yourself a spear, you got yourself a nice chisel, um, you made yourself a wood stove or whatever you had to do. You don't have to re- – it's not renewable products um, in open water fishing. You're losing lures all the time. And, of course, in that market, too, this is the latest and greatest. You know, you, I got to have this and I got to have that because it's the newest, latest marketing thing. You know, well, this is the new lure to have or whatever. But, you know, s- summer fishing, you lose you, – you, you snag on something, you lose lures. You have to go back and buy, you know, and replace. In spearing – you buy a one light color decoy and one dark color decoy and everything else that you've got will last you your lifetime. You don't have to go back and buy more things. What about when you snap your, your spear in the door though, you know, like a fishing <laughs> rod and you just, you got to replace them every couple times a year. No, I just, just re-weld it. Just bring it to my shop and weld it, but take it back out. <laughs> that is the thing, you know, we've talked about this. That's the thing I love, I, lo- I do love about it is there's not a whole lot of commerce and industry around it. There's a lot of craft. And and you're part of that. I mean, you in the make decoy decoys. world. In the yeah. decoy world, absolutely, because you have your carvers, 
you have your people that uh, are collectors, and collecting is big. Um, you know, the older decoys and you know, in the market for them is um, unbelievable. What some of these decoys will go for. Uh, the old, I call them the old masters. They used to carve, you know, back in the 20s and 30s. Um, you have uh, you have people that just carve. They don't fish. You know, you have there's know, not a lot of them, but they're out there. But uh, most of them that do carve usually like to spear also. Um, and the talent that is out there, and the imagination and creativity involved. And I look at some decoy carvers have a certain style. Other decoy carvers, everyone's a little bit different. That's how I am. I, I don't want to get into a rut, so, so to say, of making all my decoys one way. Every time I find a piece of wood, I, I, I can kind of see it in there, and I have to just remove it from that piece of wood and make it. But, yeah, the decoys are the big thing, I think. And a lot of people kind of get, you know, with decoys, there's so many different types of them. But all of a sudden you see when, hey, I, I got to have that decoy. Or there's a certain carver that you want to have one from or whatever, for a, whether you're collecting or just for use. Um, you're in my living, you were in my living room. You saw hundreds of decoys hanging from old spears from the ceiling and uh, yeah it's a sickness i know (laughs) (laughs) so you get the so you're in the dark house you got the spear you've got a decoy so again describe the purpose of the decoy and and what defines a good decoy a a good decoy is one that sinks (laughs) so it floats (laughs) floats down there and uh it all, all it is is an attractor and I think part of it is the amusement for you, the the person that's fishing, is, is you know how they swim. Some will have different personalities on the way they're weighted. Some will dart very fast. Some are kind of lazy. Some are super slow. Um, and every decoy has its own personality when you drop it into the water and how it swims. Can that make a difference on a day fishing? Absolutely. You know, maybe I need I need something that's moving a little faster. Maybe I need. Uh, uh, one of those CM wiggle type ones where it looks like a wounded wounded minnow that might that may bring them in. I've seen fish sit on the outside, uh, just off the bottom, sitting there looking at just looking at that decoy. And I've turned around and brought it up slowly, hooked up another, and brought it down, and they've come in and hit it. So color, it could be act. So you got different actions and every, you know, a lot of different elements to it. But that's half the fun. I was just putting those decoys down there and watch them watch them work. So, John, I know you love decoys. You love spears. Same you just sickness. love the aspect. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. What have you found in recent years? Like, have you always loved uh, a certain kind of decoy? You've got your big one. Yeah. And uh, that's, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's different from the ones I use. Yeah, so kind of an interesting story around. I, I carry two, two to three decoys with me typically. Um, a lot of that was just the people we learned from used these type of decoys, Bruels, um, and they're very common in, in Minnesota. Uh, Bruce and Ellen were yes, the, the Bruce couple and that Bruce made and them. Ellen, Bruel. Uh, Watkins, Minnesota, yep. I believe is yep. where they're from. Yes. Can't get that wrong with Dave sitting next to me here. (laughs) (laughs) I just like felt the weight of the fat fact check on my my left shoulder. (laughs) And so, so anyway, they were some of the most, uh, you know, well known and best working and 
you know, they, there's a lot of them out there, but they're really high quality decoys. And you, and up until a couple of years ago, I think you can still get them in sporting goods stores. The, the smaller ones, I think some of the, their descendants are still making, but anyway, back to this, there's a big 14 inch one that we picked up at on the way to our annual ice fishing trip up to uh, Winnie Bogashish and in Grand Rapids. And every year we'd see if they had them and then all of a sudden they didn't have them. So then the whole, when are they going to make the, the big red and white Bruels again? Oh, and my dad got to the point where he would, whenever we were driving somewhere in Minnesota and there was a bait stop, a bait store, excuse me, we'd have to stop and he'd ask, okay, you going to, well, cause everyone put their stuff away during the you know, summer, they'd be like, well, they're all downstairs. They'd be like, well, do you have any of those uh, red and white Bruels? And then a couple times people went down and they'd find them and they'd sell them to them. Um, but yeah, it, it was more a rare thing. And then there was also like the big fish, big decoy theory, which I don't know if it works, but it also typically got fish for me. So that's when I always start with, but that's, that's, I also like, I'm piling them up pretty quick as I started writing these articles. <laughs> I'll say that too. It's <laughs> a good excuse, right? Yeah. Well, My I wife was you. like, "Where is who, who are you sending 140 dollars to in North Dakota?" I was like, oh, "Well, just, just watch the mail. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's art first. Uh, <laughs> so research. Yeah, exactly. Research. <laughs> exactly. You know, you just you just touched on something that that I think is is interesting, and that is." Um, you know, Katie asked today about about strategy and about uh, what works and method methodology, et cetera. And 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 again, that's another aspect of where I think everybody has their perspective. Everybody has their theories of what works. I only do it this way. I only use this size decoy, this color decoy. I always make sure X. Um, but I don't think there's really there isn't like a consistent school of thought that says this is the way to spirit, which I love about it. That that's kind of the mystery part of it, which is yeah. nice because, and I know on certain lakes that I have been on, certain colors don't work. Yeah, I've, 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 I've heard that too. I've found that to be. When true. we were out here last year, and you were like, "Quiet, there's a fish." I was like, "What are you talking about?" And then I just like said something, and a fish darted out. Or I just like reached over for the spear, and you're like, "No, you have to move really." Slow. I was like, "No, you what?" And then I oh, spooked the fish. And where I've speared, you can like almost tap dance on the whole and on on top of there, and you <laughs> really? don't, it won't spook them. <laughs> right, right. Okay, I can attest to the fact that the pike in this lake have <laughs> jittery <the> telepathic powers <laughs> to know when you've seen them, and they and they leave. Uh, one one was slowly moving in today from the the corner of the of the hole, and Mark hadn't seen it yet, and. I saw just the snout and I was like, Oh, and it was gone. It was instantly gone. Um, and I was like, how does anyone spear these things? If they can hear you whisper to each other. Um, and the whitefish didn't seem to be, they didn't seem to care at all. They never cared or said. Yeah. Sailing through a little different. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I do have to say, I, I kind of, um, you know, I, my show is focused around fly fishing and that's mostly what I do. And I can really appreciate the, the fact that everyone has their own theory of why this decoy works. And, you know, there's no real rhyme or reason, um, (laughs) in the same way that, you know, while fly anglers try to match the hatch, there's often just one that you pull out of your box and you just fish it because it feels right or it looks good. And, uh, flies are meant to catch fishermen, not 
fish, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Very true. I, yeah. I heard someone on a, it was like a pheasants forever thing or something. They were saying like, we tend to hunt and fish memories. So like <laughs> yeah, whatever totally. worked for you yeah, is absolutely. like what you always do. Like mm-hmm. it, it worked before. Exactly. Yep. yep. So it's like, like what the things that we get stuck in and ruts and like the thing, the first move we always make is like based on some memory. Now other people could say that's data <laughs> like you use to make a well-informed decision, but you know, there's sounds more the official that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we have, we've got data. Oh, sure. Good for you. So here in Minnesota, you can dark house spear for Northern Pike, Lake Whitefish, or rough fish, which could be different things in different, in different bodies of water. Um, but, um, you know, I grew up doing a lot of whitefish spearing, John, you Northern Pike. And, and I think 99% of people are, are, if they're dark house spearing, they're going after Northern Pike. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I, I don't know many whitefish spears. I, I would say so because you've got Northern Pike just about every lake, whereas exactly, whitefish yeah. are not, not, in, not as common. Not yeah. As common. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. So Dave, more. do you, in your spearing career, in your life of spearing, um, what have you primarily gone after? Any Northern Pike or, or it was always Pike. Always Pike. Yep. Okay. Um, really got into the whitefish after I started fishing on Cross Lake. I I fish Oswana McKee, which is right across the road. It's handy. It's right there. Started fishing on Cross mainly, and I have a couple houses on both both. Not this year, but most years I have <clears throat> houses on both lakes, so that I have that opportunity to go after a different species. Used to go after eel pout. Now it's become a game fish. Really? I guess so. <laughs> I, I, that's, I, I heard Matt say something about that, about yeah. tulipy and... and uh, yeah, we were talking and, about yeah, that last yeah. night. Um, yeah, it's become, now it's become a game fish. Oh, come on. <laughs> What's the limit? Is there a slot? 425. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you can't... 300 between 28 and yeah. 30. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so now... So you can't take eel pout or tulipies, I guess. You can't. You can't spare them. That's and and it was something. It's and I I never asked him. I, w- I wanted to ask Matt that because um, there because is pout the, in there in in, yes. in that lake we were we yes. were fishing today that unnamed lake, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and um, and I was thinking about that and I was because I was thinking for you guys. I'm like, if a pout comes in, I'm not sure if you could spear it or not. And so, which, you know, so we were going to have to hold so on. So we saw one leopardy tail. Say. You did. Okay. And it was either a musky or a eel pout. But right. We did, like, I, I saw don't think the, there's any musky in that lake. That's eel pout. Okay. Yeah. It would have yeah. been an eel pout then. Because yeah. it was, yeah. I didn't see the the real telltale yeah. tail of a eel pout. Burbot for some of you listeners out there, right? Freshwater lingcod. <laughs> we should also tell poor man's lobster. Poor, poor man's it lobster. Is so good. It is great. You should great. tell the listeners at home who Matt is. Yeah. So, uh, well, Matt Miller. Yeah, Matt and his uh, girlfriend Lee Neitzel, uh, friends of ours, uh, came down from Two Harbors. Were spearing with us today, and unfortunately, they had to, they'd head back to, to get some dogs out of the out of the kennel, so they couldn't join us tonight. But uh, the only successful pike spears on this trip. Yeah. yeah. Everyone yeah. else is trying to get a pike, and that's all they can get. And, and I think they were they trying, were trying for to get white whitefish. Matt really, really <laughs> wanted a whitefish. Yeah, fish he wanted a whitefish, he said last night. He, he got one. I gave him mine. Yeah, he got one. 
And then he, he took one home. Yeah, yeah he, he took one home. home. Yeah. But he did, took one home. He should have been at our house this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. Oh, my gosh. Or, and we didn't cut the hole today, but we got in there and three whitefish cruised underneath. Oh, and, really? Oh, yeah. In like, tandem? Like, yes. Yeah. Wow. It, they were like, they were just strolling together and, and we weren't even... Ready. We weren't even ready. It was when I it was coming over. You know, you you would switch spots from our, our first hole, and so we were just kind of, you know, we weren't really actively like sitting there with the spear. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I looked down, and I'm like, oh whoa, there's there's three giant whitefish just just kind of cruising, and it, there might have been two, and then one other thing, um, or was it three whitefish? It was t- two and maybe a whitefish, or we're not Something, sure. Something, but it was yeah, it was. And I had to hold myself back from throwing that spear. I, Untied. It was, it was not tied to anything. <laughs> it was probably still all wrapped up. But I had it in my hand. And I, I lifted. And I was like, don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> don't lose this spear right now. Uh, so I set it down. And Mark was like, I'm really glad you didn't throw that. So, <laughs> the yeah, to, to I wouldn't have blamed you if you did. But I'm glad you did. It was so tough but, thing. But like the spears are, you know, you were talking, Dave, about the the gear that, you know, I've had the same spear for 30 years, right? And um, they, you know, there's a a rope on them that you tie off somewhere so that you can retrieve it. And there's a, uh, usually a cover so you don't, you know, injure yourself or any of your gear and... Or bend the tines. Or bend the tines, yep. Or, but the, 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 that's the kind of stuff that, you know, makes the the sport special is, you know, they're made by blacksmiths and people there, you know, the best ones aren't mass produced. The best ones tend to be older and, you know, you you can't just, you have to be like ready for it. You can't just like, you know, right. It's a little bit of a, little bit of a like ceremony to get ready to, to spear in in a way. And I know I've speared my, my grandfather passed away in 1963. I've got his decoys and they sit on the shelf in the house, but the, uh, um, the, uh, I've always speared with his old spear. I mean, this thing's from back in the thirties and forties and, you know, up to last year, I do now have a Bell River spear and, uh, that is very nice to use, but it's almost so pretty. I don't want to drop it in the water, but I, I, why did you let these guys use it today then? I wonder. <laughs> yeah. One of these guys, is, well, we're, we're old pros now that after is our, true. You are old our, pros. Uh, probably eight, yeah, so, eight hours. But you know, like for myself, it was kind of a nostalgic thing. I, all my spear houses are very old. Uh, when I park them out in front of these fancy houses over on the Whitefish Chain or wherever I might be, uh, <laughs> it, looked, it looks like a slum out in front of there, but it made me feel bad about it. But uh, it's it just these old houses have so much memory, uh, good memories in them. They were all old houses that we had at the farm. I brought them down here. I fixed them. My brother was going to burn them. And, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Ah, burn them. You know, that's, that's your uh, really sentimental brother, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. And, you know, like the, the wood stove in my one spear house is uh, the one that my wood sh- my my metals teacher had back in high school. Oh, when cool. he passed away, his son-in-law gave it to me. Um, you know, it. It, that's kind of the cool part. So you remember those people. So there's a lot of kind of a sentimental journey with it. Uh, the house we were in today, uh, that you guys came over and sat in. When I saw that, those come up for sale, I had to have uh, one of those Heath houses. And after sitting in one of those, they're just, I mean, it's retro, man. It is so cool. The tar paper inside of it. and It's just the old wood stove. And it's just, if you've seen the dark house spearing print, this is what the painting was done yep. after and you can sit in there and, and and i actually have the printing on the wall you saw that so you're it's sitting identical. there and says, this is 
cool. I mean, right down to every nail and whatever else. But yeah, it's just kind of fun. That big northern wasn't in the actual house, that, though. That was just in the picture. Though, right? Yeah, today okay. it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, 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 that, was that didn't show up. <laughs> well, you only see the painting when the doors open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, I didn't know it was in Is there the until we the, looked in from the outside. <laughs> that wasn't the one with the beer can on the bottom of a of it is it what's that isn't there one of those prints oh, that has one. the yeah. beer can yeah. on the bottom like or the old timers used to no, do no it's the pork and beans isn't it or that's, something that, like that? that that's an interesting story because in the first one it is the looking down the spear hole yeah. the next one is the side view of the fish under the ice and then with the spear going coming in. Yeah. down and it shows the the, the uh, pork and bean can and it had a couple uh, uh, prince albert can yeah okay he got less got so much tr- uh, trouble about lit because littering the bottom of a lake. In the third one where he's d- pulling the fi- um, the fish off the lake in the yeah. sled, you see those same cans with spear holes in them. Like he sp- sp- poked them and dug them out and put them up on top. So he did actually remove them. Oh, so gotcha. if you look at those three, that, those three prints. Yep. So talk a little bit about um, Les Cuba. So for those those who are listening who don't know who Les Cuba is. Les Cuba is originally from Hutchinson, Minnesota. He was a uh, he had a place up here on on uh Hay Lake on I think he was on Upper Hay. Yeah. And anyway, his brother had Ernie had the uh butcher shop locker plant in Pine River. And anyway, he spent a lot of time up here and he uh if you've he he was a commercial artist. He did all the sh- if you've ever seen the Schmidt beer cans with all oh, the, really? the, 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 the the animal wow. beer yeah. cans, all the scenic beer cans. Yeah, oh, cool. He was an artist for those. Uh, he did, he created designed the uh, work for Old Dutch. Oh, Coca Cola. Yeah, uh, heard of it. Yep, <laughs> heard of it. <laughs> little little company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sure if it was jo- the Green, Jolly Green Giant or not too, but but he was a very. Uh, more of a commercial uh, designer and artist, uh, sign painter, got into doing wildlife art, and uh, it was always interesting in his art, all of his paintings, it was 13 of something in it. There's always something of 13. So every painting, I, every print or every painting I see of a Les Cuba, okay, what is it, 13 of that, 13 of this, you're sitting there going, ah, that's 14. Okay, so there's got to be something else with 13, so it was always a fun Trick. Is, did he ever say why that was, or is that something that's commonly known, it, it, or something it, it, that your it, it, art it, teacher I picked up? It was no, it was something that he always did. He he did that just that was kind of his trademark. If you like find all those things, is there like treasure buried somewhere? If you like <laughs> yeah. solve all, yeah, of right. The, you, you get the you biggest go to pipe. Upper Hay Lake yeah. and you find <laughs> yeah. where that hole was. <laughs> There's actually the pike yeah. is still there. Bars, yeah, right. gold bars underneath. Gold bars, yeah, right. Underneath where that <laughs> Prince Albert can was in the first picture. <laughs> You know, you mentioned the the beans, and I saw the uh, the sign inside the dark house today that said absolutely no potato peels, beans, or shells down in the hole. And you had mentioned people sinking potatoes. Um, can we hear more about the the dropping of of food down in the the hole? The idea, but but. but Potatoes are biodegradable, so that's not so bad, or eggshells too. A lot of times, if you're in a an area where the water's murky, or you can't, or you can't make out the bottom of the lake, if you're looking into the great abyss down there, you can't see anything. Um, but using eggshells and putting them down there, it, it creates a contrast, and it lights up the bottom of the potatoes, and then not, now you physically can see the bottom of the lake, and and it makes it makes a big difference. Otherwise, it just look like looking into just nothing. 
Yeah. Especially early season before the water settles too, yes. you can have that. And that's the reason behind doing that. So that's why like John's hole today, it was the abyss. And it's and that's tough to just stare at that at, at just a black yeah. a black rectangle for, for hours. But that's why it was funny when yesterday when we were cutting the hole and Katie's standing there and and I and I peered down, I we just sort of said, Okay, it's the right depth, I'm gonna hope that it's a good spot. I can't really see down in there, so I cut the hole out. And I and as I pull the blocks out, I, I peer down in there and I said, "Yes, this looks great." And she goes, "She's like, where are the fish? Where are the fish?" She thought I said I was saying it was great because there were fish there. I'm like, "No, the bottom looks beautiful, which is so important." And what was interesting about that spot? It was it was really it was nice gravel, not a lot of weeds, and unfortunately an aquatic invasive species, uh, zebra mussels that has infested this lake. Uh, there were dead shells all across the bottom with the sand. So it was very light colored, uh, bottom of the lake, yeah. which makes for a great contrast when yeah. that dark fish yeah. comes through. So it just, it just makes it that much more viewable, you know, easy to see. I mean, of all the holes we visited ours, and then we visited Matt and Lee's, and then we were in the dark house, um, on your lake, and yeah, I, I can. I thought ours was the most interesting yes. view when you're looking down in there. Like yes. a fish, uh, you know, fish aside, um, there were some weeds, there were some shells. Oh, I think Jen didn't see your hole. So, well, no, that was well, the one that Matt and Lee. That read. was Matt and Lee. So, I mean, interesting. I don't know about. <laughs> what was your take? Alex, which one was the best from your perspective? Well, you know, our our hole, which 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 Matt, which Matt, (laughs) (laughs) our our, ours yesterday, that because because I was with with John, uh, um, and you know we had a lot more foliage in ours, but not it was it was a tasteful amount. Like a good good composition. Yeah, yeah it, it was a nice it was a nice the, ecosystem. Okay. Um, well, I think we had tasteful amount of foliage too. Well, I speared some of it today, so that was you know we, we got to see that that close up. But both holes were were equally equally great. Sounds like you guys had a better spot. Well, I, I, I think, I think, I think Alex is being very diplomatic with his mentor here. Um. So, Katie, Alex, your first time spearing yesterday and today. Uh, yeah. What do you guys think? I mean, it's something new, something different. What for for our listeners who have never done this? Like, what's your perspective on it, Alex? I'll start with yeah, you. Yeah. Um, so, just you know, before I kind of dive into that, you know, I I grew up in Northern California, you know, in a in a rural area, but my my family didn't hunt or. My friends didn't. We we did trout fishing in the in the reservoirs in the Sierras and the lakes, um, and so this whole this whole world of really you know hunting and angling as a as a lifestyle was really brand new. And so, and also the the fact that ice freezes over over water and you can drive on it makes sense to my brain as physics works. But <laughs> um, from a from a cultural perspective. Driving my, you know, you're pretty excited yesterday when you said, "Am I? Is my? Oh I'm, yeah, I'm here with my explorer. Is it on the ice? Yeah, it's like I, I have a, you know, yeah, my my Ford, my my little California, my California car is driving on ice, um, and so it's just the the neatest thing. I mean, I just I just don't think I can say it enough. It's when I mean, Kate and I were talking about it yesterday. There's there's nothing like it. I mean, it really is. You know, it's it's. 
you know, I've, I've done, you know, you, you took a squirrel hunting and, and you know, I, I could kind of squint and be like, yeah, squirrel hunting can be kind of like grouse hunting. Sure. You know, they're both small and you're walking and, and stuff. But really with, you know, it's, it's spearing is so interesting in that. Um, Dave, you mentioned that that window, that that hole you cut is such like an ethereal window, you know, into an, an aquarium, and it's just so entertaining and mesmerizing. And uh, John, you sped up. What was that that spinning thing? Oh, the teaser. Yeah, I yeah. mean, talk about mesmerizing. I mean, yeah, I, could, yeah. I could watch that all day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and uh, uh, luckily we we both got on the board with with whitefish, um, which was just. I, I think we both both have mentioned. Uh, or at least, you know, for it, there's this weird, like, blackout, like, totally instinctual and something so wonderfully primitive about, you know, I have a sharp, pointy object and I'm going to, I'm going to stab my food. And it's just such like a, you know, a, a, you know, and it's, you know, it's not like, it's not like deer where you got to wait for it to stop. You're like, no, this fish is moving. I have to act now. And if I don't, it's going to, it's going to go. And so it's just a cool, just, you know, you connect and you had quite the thrill from what John said too. It was like, uh, yeah, he, uh, there was a, a white fish that for, for folks who don't spear white fish, they don't tend to come into the decoy and, you know, look at it and kind of, you know, s- sit around or, or loop around too much. They, interestingly this year they were coming in at the level of the decoy more last year when we saw them, they were cruising on the bottom under the decoy and it, it just seemed like, random chance that we were getting through, yeah, yeah but this this year they were coming at the level of the decoy and sort of yeah. you know coming in at sort of an angle never really stopping you know maybe slowing down a little bit so we saw one or two and you know we didn't get a shot off or we got bad shots we got off bad shot first i mean there was that um that the you know two or three fish when we like first sat down we're like oh there's there's fish yeah and then yeah you had your shot that yep. you know um they both had shots that missed yeah, yeah. so yeah we, there was one on my side that I was like it, it wasn't coming through so I had the I had that side of the hole yeah. but then there was the the one the the first one that Alex got was in the backside of the of the the hole of this rectangular hole we had cut and by the time he threw it we couldn't see the fish no. So it came through. It never really got directly underneath us. It was still probably two feet from the decoy when it was closest. And I was like, well, take a sh- take your best shot at it. And he lined up with his offhand and kind of half pool cued, <laughs> half like javelin throw and just nailed it center tine right through the, right through the back of the whitefish and... It was and it was great because you're. I was like, yeah, I think you might have them. Like, oh, I feel them. Yeah, no, it was just <laughs> wobbling on the end of the rope. It was great. It was oh, it was so exciting. I mean, yeah, and you just got done explaining like, well, you know, the the ideal setup the situation is, you know, you see the dorsals and you know, you want that center tine right behind the head. Yeah, I was like, all right. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. I said, I said, when you told me that, I, I said, wow, John's got the most detailed spearing method I've ever heard. I'm just sort of like, you know, just get behind the ears, right, behind the gills. He's like, center time. I'm detailed because I yes. know fish don't have ears. <laughs> <laughs> except for, except for the mic in that one spot. I'm not sure what you're asking me to do here, but I don't see any ears. <laughs> Some people call it detail. Yes. Other people call it anatomy. <laughs> well, it's, it's like with this memory. Yeah. So, Katie, how about you? First, uh, second day of, of spearing. Again, you flew halfway across the country because you called me up and said, hey, 
Remember me? You offered you offered to take me spearing, and I want to go spearing. I'm going to fly halfway across the country to do this because you're this like, is... oh crap! I forgot I I forgot I invited this person. Well, I want to start by um, just saying it's kind of funny. So Alex did the same throw today, but instead of forward with the the pool cue, he threw it backwards underneath the ice we were under He's and got Mr. Trick Shot <laughs> over he here. He hasn't seen really. a single fishy hit. No, I haven't. I, I was saying that earlier today. I have not. You I got have, that one too? Yeah. And it's just yeah. this this wow. weird just wow. like, you know, just calming a, experience and then blackout and it's just that reptilian part of your yeah, brain it, where it you're just, just like, uh, there it is. Yep. And, and both times I'm like, there's n- there's no way. There's there's no way I'm hitting this fish. Wow. And Wow. And we're like, oh, hey, look. Well, and meanwhile, I want the fish to be right underneath me. Oh, yeah. Perfectly centered or I'm not throwing because <laughs> because Mark, had, I think Mark had just said, you know, it's not ideal if you're kind of throwing off to the side. And so I heard that and said, I don't throw sideways at all. Yeah. Um, so I see the fish go past and I wait for it to come back. And he said that um, it's not typical for the fish to kind of circle back around. The white fish. They're going to keep cruising right through. But yeah. we had a couple that did. And I lucked Allegedly. out. Because Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, I, and that's where her patience, I told her, her, her patience paid off. Uh, I know it's my 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 knee hitting the leg of the table here. I, I put myself in the we wrong spot. We all got spot. a stern talking exactly. to him about not being loud on this table. And then I'm the one in the <laughs> table. Eyeball for like <laughs> sliding my pint glass to pour up here, <laughs> and Mark's over here just telling me slappers, <laughs> table slappers. Uh, so, Katie's like, like, okay, here comes a. I, I said, here comes a whitefish. She doesn't see it at first, and then she sees it. Okay, she's getting ready. Oh, it. She holds holds tight. I'm like, great, that's fine. She didn't. She didn't uh, didn't take a throw. She wasn't comfortable with, but it was a whitefish, so it's gone. I'm like, well, let's just wait and see. About 10 seconds later, comes back around right in there, and she takes him, right? Just right right behind the gills. So it was it was a perfect shot. The ears. The ears, <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, that's pretty free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was a beautiful fish. Oh, really nice fish. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. fish. Just, yeah. just perfect size, yeah. Well, and it... it I think it happened for at least two. So I've got three. I got three fish total, and at least two of them I held off and thought, "Oh crap, I I blew that," and then it Absolutely. came back. Um, and I don't know if that's just luck on my part or that it came back, well, but um, I have an interesting theory on that or observation, I should say. Um, I saw this one northern that had a, this was years ago, but it had a really weird, somebody had missed it with a spear and it had a nick at a certain part in its body. So it had a very distinct wound. All right. Somebody that threw a spear like yeah. Alex usually. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> missed. No. Yeah. Yeah. Threw a spear like you. Alex would have hit it. Ooh. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, I think I threw a spear once yeah. this weekend. No. <laughs> he was, yeah, sorry. Uh, but anyway, I, I saw that fish eight different times that day. Because, yeah. you know, I think my theory is that they kind of have their, their core area and they cruise around they in it. They have a territory. Gotcha, and, yeah. you know, you'll catch them. They're like, oh, I remember looking at that. Maybe I could eat it this time. You know, their their, their brain isn't that big. Right. So, but I, I do remember seeing that fish time and time, like repeatedly the same day. And I've even seen on another occasion the same fish the next day. Wow. Which, like, another one that had like a distinct scar on it mm-hmm. or something on a, a really bright day in a really clear lake, you can see. 
and you know it, it came back almost the same time the next day. So is that your theory on the whitefish coming around again? Yeah, I think they might, they might well, have like a core area they cruise. This one wasn't yeah. though, this wasn't like an hour later. This was the fish, you know, swims through the corner of the window and five seconds later circles Turn around oh, to come right, back right, to exactly. the oh, Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it, it like turned like a pike. That's where it's like, you see pike come around back. That's pretty cool. But, but yeah, exactly. Rarely, rarely whitefish. They're usually oh. just... Scrolling yeah. right through, you, you, yeah. You're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you see them on the right side of the spear hole, and you better be ready because by the time you grab the spear, they're up out already. Unless you're Alex, yeah. yeah. Well, see, that's that's shots. where <laughs> I'm just I must be just be too slow or something because then I'm just like I need to throw because that's too good. Well, yeah, I, I can't. You know, I have to have to let y'all, yeah. You know, have have some yeah, exactly. semblance of of competition. And you um, know, you were talking too about the territorial thing. Uh, remember, years ago, I had a little northern about. 16 inch northern yeah and something had happened to him he was a little i'm, I'm not kidding you i can't make this up he he looked cross-eyed <laughs> so we, we called him we called him norman the northern and he comes swimming through and he's kind of a gimpy looking little guy we didn't have those ears off i'd be over to my spear house my buddy would be in our that's back when we had the little cb radios yeah the walkie-talkies the Nextel ones or the uh, or the real CBs? Oh, this is no, this is way before that. Oh, cool! We got, you bought them, got them a box of cereal or something. Oh, cool! You can awesome. barely understand what we said, but it was cool. <laughs> we we had them, but anyway, hey, Norman's over here. Pretty soon, Norman would be over in the other spear. <laughs> so he was our pet. <laughs> Don't spear awesome. Norman. Don't spear Norman. <laughs> so I was just telling Katie today about uh, the risk, of, which I never mentioned to you guys. Actually, I was going to mention to both of you of the risk of a muskrat coming up. And I've never had it happen myself. Have you, oh, God, have, yes. uh, J- John Davey? Never. You, I've never not, had it. You haven't either. But, oh, uh, you said it was kind of common. Yeah, it, it, it is it relatively is. common. Really? But I've just, I mean, I've, you know enough people. My brother's had it happen. My dad had it happen. I've just never, I myself have never had it happen. But. It kind of depends on what lake you're on. Yeah, you know, if they, yeah. If you've got uh, bank rats or if you've got muskrats in the lake, yeah. And what hap- what is funny about that is you've cut your spear hole, you got your little house sitting here, it's nice and dark. And when you see a northern or any other fish, they're they're down about three, four feet. Yeah. Or depending on how deep these little these little buggers are are right below the ice. You know, their their back is rubbing against the ice because there's air pockets for them to breathe and you know, they float. I mean they're <laughs> You know, so book, you know, they, they dive under and they're just stuck to the top of the ice. So when they they're swimming along just happy and all of a sudden they bounce right up. They, I mean, they will literally <laughs> bounce right up in the hole. Oh, cool. You're up there going, And it scares them as much as it scares you. And they plunk, they go oh, back it's a candy bread. Yeah. yeah. And they, they, they splash, you know, then they Is splash all the, when they splash back down. Uh, beaver, otter. Yeah. You've seen a beaver come through your spear hole? No, I haven't, but a friend it's of mine happened. did. Really? Said, yeah. Oh, yeah, he went right out the door. But, but it came up and hit in the splash, and there's water dripping all over. <laughs> oh, my God. But, wow. uh, People have seen otter in their spear hole, too? Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of otter on Oswald and McKee, and we've had them come up in. That would be a little, that would be a little cool. bit terrifying. Okay, so that's good to know for, uh, oh, man, for, for, for the next time. Yeah. Dark house, either. Yeah. No. So I saw oh. someone on uh, one of the spearfishing uh, online communities and this muskrat came up and went into this guy's spear house and started he had a fish sitting on the ice and just ate the tail off the fish sure <laughs> went back down and left was that right? <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> we've had times where we've come back after two three days 
and the, that hole's open, and they'll they'll start building that as a sh- uh, shelf for feed. You come oh, in, really? it'll just be full of you know cattails and everything. And I got to clean everything; it's all frozen <laughs> in there. You got to clean it out. Yeah, find there. a new house. Well, I can I can imagine. I mean, uh, not not totally shifting gears. We, you know, we we were talking earlier about the kind of the the sentimental craft part of 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 dark house spearing, which I absolutely love, and and your you know your dark house they were today dave it's just it's so warm it was i mean with that stove it really feels like you're stepping back you know it's very into it into a whole nother i mean just the yeah the non that wood stove no the the wood stove i mean like i took i took so many layers off i was like you know this is great you know people look at me and say oh my god you go out and sit in a fish house out out there all day long stare down a hole i go you it's my relaxing time i mean you know of course Saw my vintage Panasonic radio over in the corner. Oh, so you of the got 70s. your radio, you got your coffee. Or? Yeah, I got my, you know, I got my little cook stove. I can yeah. cook on top. I got my spam. I got my. I eat spam once, one season. <laughs> that's now, but, uh, but anyway, but you know, so dark house spamming. Yeah, dark house spamming. <laughs> exactly. But that just to listen to that crackle of that wood stove and just it's relaxing. It it's, totally. I mean, smells way better than propane. Doesn't too. it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good point. Very good point. Yeah. And it's it's. It's dark. I mean, like we those those tents that that we were using the last couple of days were, were were definitely dark. Like coming from outside. And oh like, yeah, but the, I'm, like a I'm plywood. Blind, but that, dark. that that house that you yeah, have, Dave. Yeah. I mean, it was like like Katie was saying. Like, I don't think you saw that print on the wall. Until, I didn't see the print until and, we got out. And, and yeah, back until in. afterwards, because <laughs> you can see nothing except the hole you're looking at, which is just is also just some of the just 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 cool. It's there's nothing like that. Um, I was I was telling my you know because my my folks are like. What what are you doing? You know, you you have a they're a, concerned. <laughs> yeah, like there were a lot of concerned people. What, what, like yeah, concerned what, what are you doing quickly. in Minnesota? <laughs> I had a lot of people get really hung up on the spear. Yeah, itself. Yeah. They thought it was a spear gun, like you would use in oh, a, like a in the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Like, but it's uh, winter, and they're like, "Is it like a so like a trident?" And I was like, "Yeah, I mean, kind of plus yeah. four plus a bunch yeah, of exactly yeah. a bunch of other times, but Acceptant, yeah, <laughs> yeah." And it, the people just, you know, I mean, and I've had, I've, I've taken a lot of people out and, you know, once they've, they've done, they go, oh my God, this is so cool. I mean, it's just, to you, to experience it is, is the one thing. One thing I was going to mention too, you know, when you're talking about where do you fish, placement, remember if you're fishing for a northern, it, a, a northern is a predator. A predator will chase something into a corner. They will corner it. Now think of a corner as being tipped one turn. Yep. They're going to, they're not going to chase something in 30 feet of water. They're going to chase it up into a narrow area. So whenever you find a ledge that comes up and where there's a drop off is a good area to set up and weeds and you need like where I'm at now. I put that there because that was the only place with a flood ice I could do it. But, um, if you can have some weeds and have a, a drop-off area, they'll come from the deep and chase it into the the, yep. the smaller area t- to capture it. That makes total sense. Well, that's where, you know, you and Katie both yesterday and today were a little further out into, I don't know, not the bay we were we were in more and towards the the main body of the lake, but John, where we were yesterday and where where Matt and Lee were today, that's what you were saying was we were on that slope and there were. Yep. You know, you, I think you were calling them cabbages down there, those Cab- weeds. Cabbage yep. weed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, yeah, Dave, that makes a lot of sense of that, totally. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So, Katie, what was the intrigue with Dark House Spearing that caused you to say, I want to do this? You're going into this master's program in hydrology, and you're like, I want to do one thing before I do before I go deep on this program, and that is dark house spearing. Why? Uh, I think it was the um, uniqueness of it in the country. I mean, if I want to if I want to pick up a new type of fishing tomorrow, I can do that from Google. I can say, okay, I'll go buy this type of rod and I'll buy this type of lure and I'll go give that. I'll rig up this way and give it a try. Um, and this seemed like the type of fishing. Or, I mean, it's hard to even call it fishing. Um, I kind of wanted to get into that. We, we kind of got um, off, you know, your question of what did you think of it. And it, it reminds me a lot more of, like, archery hunting um, and watching a deer walk past because that's what it's like. It's uh, not angling. It, you know, no. It's, yeah. A whole, yeah, it's, it's a whole it's, other like hunting. hunting. Yeah. Uh, and I just, you know, I was just thinking about the fact that you, you threw that out there. And it, it part of it's the, the culture behind it, the fact that it's so unique to... I know it's not only in this part of the country, but it seems very prevalent in this part of the country versus elsewhere. Um, and also it's just so uh, inaccessible, I guess, in that if, if I didn't come do it with you, I probably would never do it. Uh, and it seemed, you know, like the perfect combination of my passions of, of hunting and particularly archery hunting and, and fishing and being able to combine those two in a, in a very active, you know, you are a, you are a predator here, not just passively waiting for a fish to take your line. But, you know, if you don't make a move now, you will, you will miss that fish. And honestly, it was, it was kind of nerve wracking. And I think the reason that I've been maybe more patient than, than Alex, and I, I think the longer it went, the more I was willing to throw a little bit, you know, off kilter as I got a little bit more confident with it. Uh, is that I'm used to the idea of waiting for something to stop. You know, if a deer's walking yeah. through, you you don't want to shoot while it's right. walking. Yeah. Do you do you a doe bleat and the fish kept going? Why is the fish that has <laughs> ears, why is it but yeah, you're like you're like kind of subconsciously hoping that it stops, and then when you realize it's not going to, it's now or never. And if you don't take your opportunity now, and that's what I think Alex mentioned, you almost kind of black out. And I I think the same thing: instincts take over, and if you don't throw now, um, right. it's either throw yeah. and miss or don't throw at all. And it's better to throw and hope for the best yeah. than to to never throw. So it's just so yeah. exhilarating when it happens. And you know, if you have a good spear, you don't lose many fish. If you hit them, yeah, yeah right. like they, if you get one time in a most fish you can usually get them up mark and i had a hundred percent success rate on this trip yeah we, about you guys. Yeah, we, did. we didn't How do about any spear and release yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no no <laughs> 
I've got I was I was just thinking about that too, mentioning about spear and release. It's kinda of like you know, I remember a joke about waterfall hunting, you know, shoot, shoot and release, throw it back in the air, you know. <laughs> but uh, one thing we always did, you know, they always talk about catch and release and you, you pull up a walleye from fairly deep and then, oh, take pictures, you put it back in water. Is there a guarantee that fish is going to live? I see muskies. Torture and release. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Where in dark house spearing, it's decoy and release. Yeah. That. We do not do anything to that fish in the water. We have not hooked onto it. It yep. does not struggle. It is our option. Yep. It is our decision to harvest that yep. animal or not. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it keeps right on swimming. We I do. love the way yeah. you said that. Absolutely. You know, and it, it, yesterday, Katie didn't take a shot on on one of the fish. And I think it was the second one. I think it was the second white fish that came through. And I don't know if we weren't ready. I don't remember exactly what it was. And it, and it just came through, but it was, I, I was just excited. It was so fun to have that sec, second fish coming through. And I said to her, I said, I said, wasn't that thrilling? Just again, just to have that sighting of this giant fish right below you. Yeah. And you can do that. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think, um, we were talking about it today. We were, Katie and I were talking about exactly this topic because I got asked to speak at this for this fishing club next month on the idea of killing fish. Cause it's mostly catch and release people who are part of this club and it is something where i think um there isn't any one answer every person has their own perspective on it for sure but i think you can't uh you can't just look at this as is as something that is uh yeah i don't know in in a negative light if you will as as a different thing from angling saying that it doesn't have an impact well that pike today um, you know, we had a pike come in. I, I mentioned it earlier that it kind of eased in. We saw its snout, and I <clears throat> I made some sort of excited noise, and it left. And it ended up coming back, in, you know, maybe 30 seconds later and just smashed the decoy. That, oh, really? Yeah. Isn't that, isn't it, that wild? It's amazing how it fast was, they can move. It was so exciting. And I didn't get a shot that, you know, the decoy string was in the way, and I, I didn't feel like it was it was a an ethical shot, if you will. Yeah, um, exactly. So I didn't do anything, but I was like, that was so exciting to watch the pike come in and, and hit awesome. that decoy like that in itself was was worth sitting there and watching like no who else gets to see a pike act actively uh you know Hunt. attempt to eat yeah. something yeah yeah well yeah i mean it's like it's it's you don't get to see what happens when you know you have your line in the water i guess with fly fishing I mean, it's a, different there's a little more sight involved but there's still a little there's bit a of tug. Yeah, you feel yeah exactly it. You like it's, it. it's mostly a you got one sense engaged right and mm-hmm. to have this whole other sense visually engaged and you know you have yeah, it's just and, a whole different way of doing you, it. You see them where they'll come in like a log. Yes. And they'll come right up to it. Yeah. And then That's there's the sound other... of a log coming in. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what they hear with their ears when they come yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. And other times where you see where they'll, they'll come in and, I mean, before you can even, they've got that decoy, they'll yeah. take it and thrash it and they will just rip it and you'll see paint flying off the decoy. Yeah. So if it's a, one made out of basswood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about that earlier. Anyway, but then Dude, from there. cracked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's, it'll, and it'll take it right, right out of the hole. It'll, it, it's gone. It's taken it out. You're like, oh God. And then you start pulling and you feel it tugging. Yeah. And you start pulling it back in. There it is. Well, Yep. And then it'll let go, or else you pull it in, then hopefully you can spear it. But Wait, then, you've had one come, and it's tugging on the decoy still? It has let go. Really? Yeah. Wow. Never had that happen. That's awesome. That, that was yeah, weird. That's, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it'll take the decoy and run. Yeah. And then, yep. wow. I just I just grab, see, I've got that retractable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That retractable spool, that uh, retractable fly fishing. Yeah. That's what I use. On my, uh-huh. So if it does grab it, it can go. Then I can start pulling, I pull it back in by hand. 
Well, well, let's hope our, our monster pike tomorrow doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. or maybe we want that because that's exciting. And I think that, you know, Katie, you're talking about, like, who else gets to see that? I think that kind of plays into the more of hunting aspect yes. of, of dark houses. Yeah, you you get to choose, I'm, I'm taking this animal um, right. versus with, you know, with, with traditional angling. It's just like, yep. oh, that thing, that is, it's, it's bit my hook. Yep. I'm, I'm bringing it up if I want to release it right. or not. You wait to see what the fish does, and then you react versus, exactly versus, versus observing and making the decision yourself. Yeah. Like yeah, sitting in a, in so a deer stand, you know, bull hunting, and, yeah. okay, no, I'm not going to harvest this animal, I'll let it go, yeah. or, or I'm going to take this one. Same thing's true there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes it's just so cool to, you know, and, and I, I haven't seen any pike yet. I'm I'm northernless, um, but I've seen, much much to John's chagrin, um, uh but just those those whitefish kind of just they're kind of slow. They're kind of just cruising along like they've got nothing better to do. And exactly, like slow. they're slow, company. but it's also so fast. And but they, it, yeah, you're it, like I've got three seconds to make a decision. Yeah. It's it's so you slow you don't even realize. Yeah, yeah, you're like the the I'll northerns move even more methodical than that. Do they really? They can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. yeah like the ones you were talking about that come like sometimes <laughs> like they'll come log. in and rise slowly up to the bait. Kind of look at it. Kind of, kind of go meh. off, and then maybe they'll make a big circle to gotcha. come back around. Sometimes they'll nudge it a little bit. Oh, okay, that was me touching my mic. The sound of a northern nudging a deep That was a, okay. <laughs> but it's, and it's amazing if you've ever, if you ever, if, most people never get to see this. How a northern, when you think of how slender their body is, how they'll swim in, and how they they can stop on a dime and give you eight cents change back. Yep. I mean, wow. stop. Yep. You know, how, the, how do they do that in the water? And then sometimes from that stop, they'll coil up like a snake. You were saying that, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they load up all that kinetic energy wow. and then just shoot right out. Oh, it's nuts. I don't know if, just for clarification, and I, you know, this is something I've learned in the past month, Northern and Pike are, are synonymous. Is a, a Northern Pike. Northern just, Pike. Just, <laughs> just, just for yeah. those, those listing who are like, There are well, other Pike out there, but... Do I mean, they really? Well, yeah. yeah they, mean, don't, they don't get called pike yeah. that often. Um, so they call it walleye, walleye pike. pike. Walleye yeah, pike exactly. walleye. Then you have the yeah. chain, chain pickerel, which is a little bit smaller, but you know, they, yep. yeah, it's yeah. like red and white chain pickerel, right? I think something like yeah. that, yeah. So, Katie, you are a uh, fly fisher, fly angler, fly. Any, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter exactly <laughs> as we discussed. Uh, which, frequent flyer. Frequent flyer. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the new phrase. I think you're gonna have to change the name of your podcast. <laughs> the frequent, the flyer. frequent flyer. I mean, uh, time, time, time's fun when you have flies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm dropping out of school now. That's what I'm doing. I'm start a rival podcast. <laughs> so, so in the fly fishing community, it, there's a pretty strong catch and release ethic. Um, and what's your perspective on that relative to now coming out here doing this? And I mean, obviously you don't have an issue with, with killing fish, but maybe talk a little bit about that. So I've, I've never been strictly catch and release as a kid. You know, I did a lot of smallmouth bass fishing and that was all catch and release because I was a kid. I didn't know what to do with it. And my family didn't really do a ton of, um, fishing or hunting. So it wasn't, I didn't have anyone to take the fish home to, so I just, you know, throw it back and uh, continue on. And when I started fly fishing, I feel like I was more indoctrinated, I guess, into the catch and release world because that's what what's pervasive in the fly fishing community. And there's definitely um, fisheries that I believe should be catch and release. Um, Absolutely. You know, our native cutthroat, I will not kill a cutthroat trout in Colorado because they're, they've got enough struggles as it is. I don't need to 
add on to that. Um, you could argue that I'm contributing by going out and harassing them with a hook in their mouth, but uh, that's another conversation, I guess. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, but, and I will say most of the fish I catch, I do release um, partially because it's, you know, I'm not going to, I don't need to go through the hassle of keeping every fish I catch when a lot of them are five to seven inches long. And, um, there's a lot of reasons to release a fish, but I'm by no means anti keeping fish as long as it's within the, um, sustainability of the fishery and within legal regulations. Uh, and I've, in the past couple of years, I've gotten more into keeping fish, um, partially because I, I value the idea of providing my own food, knowing where it comes from. And also, I kind of, I, I would like to provide a, um, a, it sounds, I don't know, it sounds egotistical, but like a, an inspiration to other fly fishermen who um, might be a little worried about keeping fish and how that's going to look. Um, and I, I would like to just let people know that it's not, it's not terrible to, to keep a fish when it's um, sustainable and legal. And I, I wouldn't want people to not keep something because they think it's going to bring social uh, stigma to them um, because I, I don't understand why that would be a th- why would that would be an issue. Um, so I've I've kind of moved more toward when I can keep a fish and I have the uh, means to keep it. You know, I have ice or whatever it takes to keep a fish and keep it good until I get home um, to keep those fish. And uh, I was actually telling you I don't share a lot of fish pictures on social media, but. I actually try to post pretty much every fish I kill um, just to provide that, uh, I don't know, inspiration to people, I guess, in the in the fly fishing world that keeping fish is a great way to provide food for your family, great way to connect with your food, um, way to make fishing more immersive for yourself and not just uh, like a passive activity, but more of a, a way to immerse yourself in the sport. So um, I've kind of moved more toward keeping fish when I can, if that's an option. So that's that's also partially why I was interested in this, uh, the dark house spearing, because it, it does get me kind of more away from the, the purist. I just take, you know, catch and release pictures of, of trophy fish and release them and more toward a, uh, you know, this, this is a very primitive and, and fly fishing isn't necessarily as primitive as something like dark house spearing, but people have been catching fish to sustain themselves for thousands of years. Yeah. And I think it's, it's good to keep that in people's minds as they go out. Yeah. And, and, and primitive in, in, in no way implies of, of lesser quality, but of just, I think a more simplistic and I can't remember John or Dave, you mentioned, you know, you buy a spear like, and you have that for the next 30 or 40 years. Yeah. It's just, it's just so cool. Or three generations. Or yeah. Or three. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, exactly. Like how cool is that? Um, But yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really cool point, Katie. I mean, that's how, you know the the trout fishing for rainbows that we did growing up was was me and my cousins and my uncle would take us out and the only way we went fishing is when we were camping and what we caught we ate so this you know i never really i didn't grow up with the concept of catch and release because we went fishing because it was like okay we're 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 camping in the sierras for a week you know yeah we have our other food but when we're going when we're going to fish if we get a fish and there's you know i have four siblings and and three cousins so there's eight of us plus my uncle all going out for trout you know, you get 10 fish or so, then that's, that's what we're eating. So yeah, I, you know, I think there's an aspect of catch and release and, and again, not, not coming, you know, being down on catch and release. No, there's but, nothing. No. Yeah. But I think there's an aspect of it that eliminates the best and most important essence of what it is. 
to be out there and pursuing this 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 food you know yeah. and that yeah. that that is why we as a species started fishing was to exactly. eat was to exactly. eat yeah. that was the original intent and so if we take the original intent out of it and, and now you sort of trivialize it to a superficial thing i think is is the risk but right? it's good because it keeps with slot limits and catch and release and all those things like preserve right absolutely and, you know, like, no, yeah. no, so it's it's, absolutely. A, it's a good back and forth and you know, it's like yeah. where musky fishing is now in Minnesota compared to 20 years ago, because it's become almost exclusively catch and release. Absolutely, is like, I'm, not, I'm not here, like you know, <laughs> rep- representing them in any any way. But like you, when when one hand washes the other, is just it's such a it's such a nice balance because it gets more people into it. It allows you to. Uh, you know, enjoy it and just like, you know what? I don't feel like cleaning fish, but I kind of feel like going out on the lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gonna, absolutely. Gonna, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's obviously how catch and release came to be. I mean, I'm sure people were fishing for food like, and at eh, some point someone was like, this is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we need something other than lazy. Great. You cut a fish. I got it. Catch and release. Yeah. Pass me another beer. We can stay out here longer. We another hour. Let's go catch some more sunfish, kids. Oh, we no, we only got four. We only got four today. We'll have to go back out. Yeah, I mean, there's no denying that it's absolutely a blast to be fishing all day. So, I mean, I, I totally understand why catch and release exists, but I, I think to assume that that's the only way to do it is just um, depriving yourself of one of the the greatest joys of fishing. Yeah. Just to come home yeah. with something to, to provide yourself or your family or yeah, that, whatever. That, that fish sighting in a dark house hole never gets old. Never. The tug on a line never gets old. And then like cooking a meal that you saw from that you procured yeah exactly that you saw from a to z and your family or your friends enjoying it that feeling never gets old absolutely well it was just you know the 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 cool thing i was thinking earlier with with uh you know is is dark house angling is it hunting hunting angling uh you you can't you know when you're when you're hunting big game small game upland along the line of catch and release you can't unshoot a deer you know you, you can't you can't release a deer after you've you've pulled that trigger you've released the arrow so i think that aspect of my best friend super super into steelhead fly fishing um in the pacific northwest and i i think he enjoys the 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 dance with the fish absolutely mo- more yeah. so than um you know, he'll he'll take every every other one and and eat it and have a have a good time. He'll smoke them, but he you know and uh, he he really likes that that back and forth that dance with the fish, um, which is which is I think great. And and I've got a, a few friends who their their thing what they do in the summers is they go into the high Sierra and they'll fly fish for for goldies for golden trout. Um, yeah, and I guess if they if they took every golden trout they got, I mean, there's like three of them in the Sierras, so they're releasing every three of them every time they get them. So it's a yeah, like I, I think like you, you put it you put it well, John. You know they're washing each other's hands. Yeah. So Mark, I I kind of want to uh, take over in that I want to ask you like what what's it? I mean, I'm sure we're not the first people you've brought and introduced to dark house spearing. Um, 
what's it like? We're certainly the last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After this trip. Yeah, just <laughs> close that door. It's a mentoring thing. <laughs> <laughs> what's it like um, being in that position and being there with somebody's first spear? Because um, I've been there when people catch their first fish, and it's obviously really exciting, but it's it's kind of a completely different activity, um, kind of like we discussed before. Uh is that is it just as exciting for you to watch somebody else spear? Are you kind of itching to grab that spear yourself, or like, <laughs> what are you feeling when that's going on? Um, <laughs> even though, as I told you yesterday, with that first fish, I almost grabbed the spear from you when you couldn't see it. And I'm like, it's right there. I should take it. Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, I loved seeing you guys catch and spear these spear these fish, um, and that is. Um, that is that's a really enjoyable part of it, and yeah. that and 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 Dave, I know Dave's done this for a long time and mm-hmm. has taught so many people and given back in terms of of all things with this with this community and you too, John. And it's just it's um, it's it's something that is really fun to see, like you guys again over the last couple of days. Just the excitement of of realizing what this experience is of having your eyes open to go, wow, I now understand yeah. it. I've heard about it before, but now I get it. Yeah. And I've actually been part of it and I've had some success with it. And I mean, just here, I, and I knew you were, you were all in right from the start, Katie. And, and it was <laughs> Wait, just, how did you know that? Uh, let's see. <laughs> you flew across the country. Yeah. Yeah. Pursued. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but it was, it was just like, um, you know, and, and then you got that first fish and you're like, that's made the trip. I mean, so one moment there made the whole made the whole trip worthwhile. But um, it's it's just fun to be to be part of it and to have people understand what it is. And I think whether it's hunting or fishing or foraging or anything, where you can really take it through that full experience. And and I think especially with hunting, and we talked about it a little bit earlier. It is this is dark house spearing. I think is more like hunting than it is fishing. Totally. And, um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's yeah. just, and that's, and that's, you know, why we, we call it hard water hunters a lot. And it's like, um, hashtag, hashtag hard water hunters. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and I always think with hunting is, um, you can't explain to somebody what it is like to hunt. They can only experience it. Yeah to truly understand what it is, the complexity of it. Because I think a lot of times people have a, have a difficult time understanding, okay, if you, let's take deer hunting. If you admire that animal, if you love that animal, how in the world could you ever kill it? And that's a tough thing. And I think it's almost an impossible thing to explain. Yeah. And so until somebody's experienced it, I don't think it's it's really it, it can really be understood. So like last yesterday and today, just being out there and having you go, wow, okay, now I understand what this is about. And, and you know, you guys you guys have been out and done a lot of hunting and fishing or a fair amount. You know, Alex, you're relatively new. Katie, you're very experienced fisher, and and I think just seeing a new experience and somebody experience that personally is a uh, is that's just it's just great. Well, it's also interesting because it's if you were just to explain it, you know, you say you you go out on the ice, you cut a hole, you see the fish, you throw a spear. It sounds very straightforward, and then you realize how you know how much setup it took 
you know, it's yeah. negative 40 degrees out and, you know, you guys yeah. are trying to get the snowmobiles to start. Together. Yeah, your yeah, eyes not, are freezing Yeah, it's shut. not a balmy, beautiful, oh, look, yeah. it's a nice sunny day. <laughs> a you know, leisurely stroll out there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, to, no, to you, the fishing you, hole. you had the best Minnesota experience you could ever <laughs> oh, have. Yeah. If, you could, if, you could, if you could spirit here, you can spirit anywhere. Like, I mean, you that's guys what they say. did the slush, you did the the brutal temps. This is, was one of the tougher ones. It was brutal. I've, I've it was pretty brutal out there. I mean, machines did not work. I mean, you could sit and watch Google all day and oh they're spearing eh, until you actually hands hands on experience it and like i said the slush on the lake the temperatures yeah you 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 got the whole thing yeah i mean it was great I mean, it's, it's just it was well, a, it full, a full it. experience well, you know, so every worth fish it. you're like what's, so much went into this one fish. I, I wrote about this in one of the uh in one of the articles but it was how everything that happens above ice, the trailer, the truck, the snowmobile, the house, the shelter, the the auger, the saw, all of this gear, hundreds and hundreds of pounds of stuff, comes down to six square feet of ice. Yeah. Comes down to an eight-inch decoy. Comes down to, like, hitting something three or four inches wide. You know, it's just, like, this huge funnel that mm-hmm. all of these resources yeah. go into for that. And... The, the magical moment at the end has to be worth it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting here doing it. And, you know, thousands of people wouldn't wouldn't participate in this sport. But it's 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 crazy just, like, all of the stuff that feeds into that. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I, I understand yeah, why. I like, I was chipping ice off the bottom of my boots today. <laughs> like, it was, that was really fun to see the one fish come There's through. There's a video you know? of that. We'll put it on the <laughs> No, it's, it's, the it's a great. <laughs> and the thing is, too, you know, summertime, okay, I'm not getting any fish here. I'm going to move. Yeah. Boom, boom, you're portable. And or you're you know, trolling. Or, if you, yeah. if you're yeah. or the, you're napping on the shore with a beer in your hand yeah. and it's yeah. warm and you're just as happy to <laughs> yeah. be out there. Yeah, yeah. If, if, you're the, the, low. if you're into the, the, I call it, you know, the Dave Gens, you know, where if I'm fishing here, okay, I can move. The, I can move. I, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. going to keep moving until I find the fish. Yeah. You, you, you had better do your homework on knowing where that break is yep. and where you want to set up because once you cut that spear hole, do all that work, you're probably not going to be, well, I'm going to move again. Yeah. You're going to, you're pretty much set up for the day. I did that today. We had and a good. Li- I would yeah. not advise it. <laughs> 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 but we we cut that. So the 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 uh, software that was referencing on the phone. I don't know if my GPS was off or like the the something was freezing. Oh yeah, but, we were. But, yeah. yeah, we were talking. It was about off, it and it was the off. Unnamed software. The unnamed, the, the unnamed software. The unnamed link. software that <laughs> a lot of people use. But anyway, I cut. I, I thought we were in nine feet, and it was a foot or two off yesterday, based on where we put our other house, which was a fairly good spot. And we it got three graciously today. set. Very good spot. Yeah, Matt and Lee up today with yeah. a lot of fish. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. We cut the hole, and all of a sudden, we had shoveled all out because we were kind of waiting to shovel to uh, run gear out there, and, and we punched it all out. And we didn't have a depth depth finder out there or anything. I was just like, "Oh, this is gonna be a good spot." I just had a good feeling about it. And we cut it up, and then all of a sudden, weeds were coming up all the way to the top of the ice. <laughs> and I looked down, I didn't even like put the house up or anything and I could see a beer can on the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's like, your potato. Yeah, we were, exactly. we were in it. Five, we were in like <laughs> yeah. four or five feet of water. There were weeds literally like tickling the surface of the water through yeah. the, and we were just like, we have to move. I'm sorry. Do you remember so. what brand of beer it was? I probably know who was probably spurring <laughs> uh, over there. Bush Light. That doesn't help. Former student of yours. Yeah. <laughs> 
after they graduated. Yeah, I, of course. Obviously. For any yep. people listening. Yeah. You know, why is it? It's never a craft beer. Yeah. No. It's never a craft beer. Oh, God. It's it's except, except for the one light. that fell in today. It's always something Growlers light. don't provide a good contrast against the bottom. <laughs> Just toss You can't spear the crawler. It has to be. It has to be a silver. Yeah, you know yeah. that's why they call it's it the Coors s- or Miller or Bud. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so you know, Katie, you brought up a good point a few minutes ago. I think, which is um, that experience of realizing, or I mean, you just going out and doing something until you experience it firsthand. You don't understand all the effort that goes into it. And that's, I guess, one of the lessons I love about the aspect of getting your own food in wild spaces, which is you understand what it takes to get something on your plate. Uh And I think in this day and age, we take for granted, yeah, buck 19 a pound. That's easy. Just go down and pick it up. And you don't understand and appreciate what humanity went through. Appreciate. Yes, absolutely. You don't take as good a care of it. I mean, think about about the people... I'm reading. I've been reading uh, this book lately. Good for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. How long have you been able to do that? Dick and Jango fishing. Sea yeah. <laughs> spot fish. Yeah, yes. Yeah. See Mark Spear. I don't Horton get hears any the northern. <laughs> no the northern hears the northern with its ears. The northern hears a who? <laughs> well, we opened up one there. Sorry, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. <laughs> So I'm, re- I'm reading this book on um, on the on, on the border waters uh, yeah. between Minnesota, Canada, back in the 1600s, 1700s, and the fur traders, etc. What book he, is it? What's I, and I'm I'm tr- I'm blanking the on Voyagers. the title right now. There you go. It's I can vouch for him. He yeah. was reading. It was it was on the, <laughs> on the table in, the room, in our room. It's true. Mark um, the Voyager's Highway. The boy, there you go. There the there Voyager's Highway. It's Voyager's I actually almost picked it up. It's if a, I wasn't it's dead a really tired good book. Yeah. Yesterday you were but, dead yeah. tired. I was reading till midnight because um, <laughs> of the coffee you brought. Exactly. At 3 <laughs> <laughs> a gallon of coffee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, I forgot the coffee. Finally brought it out at three p.m. But anyways, you think about. Um, that lifestyle and what it took just to get a meal. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's, I think, an appreciation you have when you're like going through the effort that we went through, like you just said, John, the amount of gear and equipment. And we're doing it with modern equipment. You know, we're using snowmobiles. Can you imagine if we didn't have those snowmobiles to get out to that spot the last two days? In that, you are. Exactly. So through that 18 to 24 inches with, up to upwards of three foot drifts yeah. on Snow top slush. of slush yeah. in 37 below temps. Should we Not talk about county wind chill? Should we tell folks what the slush is? What yeah. that phenomenon Yeah, why don't you I, go for it? I yeah. didn't. Well, yeah. Dave, feel free to jump in well, fact check here. But. We all know ice floats, right? Yep. Yeah. Wait, what? Ice floats, and up you put weight on it, it's going to push down. So we get 24 inches of snow up here. On a fairly thin skim of Early ice. in the season, this right? This is yeah. probably one of the more interesting things I learned on this trip. And I, I speared for 15, 17 years before I experienced slush ever. It never yeah. used to, it didn't used to happen. It didn't like happen. That. And what happens is as you, that weight, you start to get cracks in the ice. Yep. And the water starts coming up and starts soaking up that snow. The top snow is still, is insulating. Yep. From the cold. And- because there's air pockets in, in between the snowflakes, the millions of little snowflakes. But it starts building up, building up, building up, 
and that creates more weight, which pushes the ice down even more. It continues on. The top of the snow will be just pure white. It looks beautiful. And then you step on it, or like when you and I were pulling my fish house, down through you go. It's, yep. It seems, it feels like if you're in a, 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 a snowmobile, is one thing, but like on an ATV or something or walking, all of a sudden you go right through. It's scary. It it's will scary. Yeah, yeah. It, you it think if you, you don't expect it. Yeah. And then you hit the regular ice again. There is ice there, but when you stop at that ice, it, it's spooky. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and it, I mean, it just makes a mess. So, like today, okay, so last, when we drove out this morning, drove down to the lake, it was 37 below zero. And when we when I was driving out mid-morning on the snowmobile, I went off of the trail that we had created, and I sunk down into the slush. So on top of the lake, there's water unfrozen mm-hmm. in 37 below. That shows you how insulating that snow is. Yep. Yeah. It's just below the top of that. But again, so you go out there, just imagine. So um, some people I know, Dave and Amy Freeman, they lived in the Boundary Waters for a year, a few years ago. And that was one of the things I know that they struggled with when they were up there was they were dog sledding and cross-country skiing and snowshoeing across lakes. And they, and, and they just had slush everywhere. And it just, it just kills you. It just takes all the wind out of your sail. Yep. And oh, just imagine if you had to get out to that area where we were at, which is, you know, what, quarter, quarter, quarter mile? Quarter, half mile. Yeah. Quarter, there, half yeah. mile. And yeah. it's just like if you were trying to trudge through that stuff, and uh, oh, it would just be yeah, without snowshoes. No, you you just even you wouldn't. With. It would be even, very even difficult. With Maybe, yeah. But getting back to you know what you were saying before, the fact of you know, you know, without the the more modern gear that we have today, most people either had you know a blacksmith or they had somebody make it make that stuff, or even go back to you know to, back to the Native Americans, which is where spearing came from. Yep, uh, they had a hide. You 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 chipped a hole, and what did you chip that hole with? Okay, we were just talking some about some type that. of edged tool, some sort but, of an edged tool. Yep. You chipped through the ice. You put pine, and I did this with my students one time. We laid pine boughs all the way around the hole. Yep. Then we put a post, a, a, a pole down in there, in, into the mud, and then we threw. We obviously went and got a canvas tarp yeah. and put over the top, and we laid on, we laid on our stomachs looking over the hole. How cool! And the, wow. and they realized, wow, those pine boughs are really this. I can they take insulate, a nap. Yeah. Plus, it has that pine sense. Yeah, pine <laughs> salt sense. How many you know? fell asleep? Yeah, <laughs> a couple of couples said I could take a nap. And you know, we just sat there. We had a spirit, and then we put a decoy down. Well, decoys nowadays are weighted or whatever. Back then, you didn't have lead. Yeah. What did you do? You tied a rock to it. Yeah. And th- that rock was down below. You tied it with a piece of sinew or something. It just yeah. it, we very very primitive made, and it didn't have to be. It just had to look like a fish, or maybe the, you used an antler, or you used yeah, a, a piece anything. of bone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you had to do that. You just didn't go uptown to get food. You didn't yeah. run to the grocery store. Yeah, if, we, if we don't get something, if we're not good at hunting or harvesting, yeah. we're not going to eat. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I could yeah. say it's it's a, it's a good thing to remind ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. even though we live in this modern world. Every once in a while, get out there and and remind ourselves of uh, the challenges and and the value the value of everything that we've got. So, but, and you said it earlier. You appreciate what you're eating because you you know where it came from. It's first, it's natural. I don't know where those fish sticks came from in the store. They came from from Gordon. Yeah, 
oh, where did the milk come from? Oh, you know, come from the grocery store. No, it, you know, it, but it, and just that satisfaction of knowing that you've gone out and harvested your own food. Well, yep. you don't want to waste it. Like, that was no, the same, if I get same a, thing. If I get a rotisserie chicken, I mean, I'm not trying to throw away food, but you're you know, not making if, if stock little, usually out of it, but you yeah. can get that, that pheasant. I will make stock out of a rotisserie chicken. Yeah, but, yeah I will too. But, yeah, but like, I mean, you know, you don't feel bad if okay, you don't. Okay, okay, you yeah. too will. Yeah. <laughs> you don't feel bad if we you will, don't. We will, I mean, but, uh, you know, if, if I'm like kind of full and there's, you know, a couple pieces of chicken left, I'm like, eh, you know. But if there's uh, something I've killed myself, I don't want a single piece of it to be thrown away. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that's that's just, because that's your responsibility. Right. Yeah. You harvested that animal. You want to be sure to consume it properly. Mm-hmm. And don't, don't, you're not going to waste it. Well, I mean, it you work too hard for it. It almost makes me feel bad about, you know, the other meat because it, it's not like it, that meat's any less, you know, that, that life was not any less valuable than right. whatever life you took. But there's just some uh, different connection when you've killed it yourself and, you know, you were responsible for making that decision that right. you don't want to make that decision and then just toss it away willy-nilly because it took so much time and effort and decision-making yep. to going into it. Yeah, so it's a personal connection. Yes. And that's exactly. what it is. Yes. Your eyelashes you didn't freeze. did that. <laughs> you, took that. You took that animal's life and it's like, yeah, it's it's personal. And that's what I think. I think when you go and you purchase your food, it's impersonal. It, yeah, it's a it transaction. Is. It's a yeah. financial transaction merely. Somewhere along the line, it was it, it, this, some of the same stuff happened, but it was really depersonalized. And yeah, yeah, you, you don't have to feel. I mean, much. my can of beanie weenies warming up on the manifold of the right. truck. You know, <laughs> yeah, okay. That's, I'm not Tasty gonna be, good. Beanie yeah. weenies don't have eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, all of you. Um, I've had a lot of fun the last couple days, and. Yeah. I think we should do it again sometime. Yep. It was an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> it was an adventure. Maybe next time it'll be a little bit warmer. Yeah. No. Oh, like come on. 20 degrees warmer would be great. Just a couple well, degrees Tomorrow it's going to be 60 degrees warmer. It's going to be yes. tropical. it was yesterday. I and it's, gonna, it's still not going to be above layers. freezing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> think that's, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I can't, can't shake the math teacher part of me, but that, that's that's a true statement. Yeah, in that the summertime, a, you never see that happen. No. Yeah. It'll no. be 130. 35 degrees <laughs> in minnesota terms where did this set of this two days we were all cold okay no human is used to <laughs> that's why we live that's longer yeah, that's why we live longer up here because we're, we're frozen half the same <laughs> well john kept saying he's like you, you're, are you surprised you're not dead yet <laughs> and i'm like honestly yeah i mean well, think about how quickly you would be dead when when we yeah, stepped yes. out of the out of the tent. You get out of the shack, and we took some pictures once we'd got a fish, and you took your glove off. Your hands are burning. Yeah, yeah. in yeah. like three yeah. seconds, yep. just yeah. like yeah. right away. Yeah. That's dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah you gotta be careful. Yes, yeah. to, to all yeah, don't call try us this if you want to go out on the ice <laughs> in thirty below. Don't don't do it. Don't do it your first time by yourself in when a it's t-shirt this cold and, and, in and slush. Denim. Yeah, yeah. Well, we appreciate you doing this yes, for us Mark. in in even your coldest conditions. <laughs> because, yeah, Mark, John, uh, and Dave. Obviously, yeah. wasn't the ideal set of days to do this, but uh, you guys still stuck with it and got everything ready for us. And um, you know, we're we're perfectly happy to take us out, and it was just such a treat to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there is there is you know one thing um, that I've I've been wanting to. So you know, I'm a you know classically trained forester. I, I like I like trees, and and my two best friends. One's a fisheries biologist. One's a wildlife biologist. And they're like, 
why do you like trees? They don't move. I'm like, well, why do you like fish and animals? They move. Um, and you know, I, someone mentioned, uh, you know, the last however long I've been talking, like, well, why, I think you, Mark, you said it. Why would you kill it? You love it. And so I had this thing thing with squirrel. I didn't really think about squirrels until you took me squirrel hunting. Now I love squirrels. I'm obsessed with them. Their biology, their ecology, you know, just their morphology, conservation, and now the same thing, you know, like, I think fish are cool. Am I obsessed with fish? Not until the last two days. <laughs> and, and so and it, it goes back to, to my, my outdoor education, you know, background of you really can't care about something until you've 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 experienced it you've held it you've you've killed it interacted with you've it interacted in with way. it yeah, yeah exactly and so that's in a very personal way yeah e- exactly so that's that's kind of my, my 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 plug for for this whole thing is you know yeah now i now i care a lot about fish yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot more yeah. than i did the last two days so that's great um, that's uh you know I, I like hearing that. That's uh, that's that's really it. I think I think that personal connection creates an appreciation and Absolutely. respect that's important. So, and I'm I'm sorry, but maybe I'm a little biased, but nothing to, after you've you know harvested a fish, you bring it home, you clean it up, nothing tastes better than that. No, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> You're, you, yeah, 100%. I mean, it's it's been it, it's been in that, that it's been cold, in a freezer the whole time. It's, it's, <laughs> it's been in you, that cold water. You know, yep. here it's you know fresh. It's swimming down there. It's cold in that ice cold water. You take it out. You take it home. You clean it up, and you fry it up. Yeah, yeah. It's at the end of a long day. You feel you've earned it. Yes, and it is so good. You took so much care and time, yep. and you're re- basically doing what we're doing now, but it's around you know. Uh, Oh, I'm gonna go grab yeah. some fillet, some fillets I picked up at the store. Yeah, it's, just not, it's not the same. Yeah. Well, and not that, a lot of times you could say, "Hey, this fish has been sitting in the back, of the bed of the truck for two days." Yeah, you want to eat it? You want to eat it? <laughs> just physical. It's still just as good as it Why was. Why do I just have ago? flashes of grumpy old men in my head? <laughs> <laughs> Begin where we end, or end where we end. The grumpy old men, right? Uh, the grumpy old yeah. <laughs> and there you go. We've come full circle. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) as we intended thanks everyone all right guys thanks for listening uh don't forget to head over to the website fishuntamed.com for all episodes and show notes and also please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app that'll get my episodes delivered straight to your phone and also if you have not yet please consider going over to apple podcasts and leaving a rating or review that's very helpful for me And I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, Other than that, thank you guys again for listening. And I will be back in two weeks. Bye, everybody. Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 
brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.